Schönen guten Tag und Nihau. As part of the Austrian Embassy in Beijing, the Cultural Forum and Office of Science and Technology proudly presents its podcast, Let's Talk Future. Today, I would like to introduce Professor Boris Rewald to you. He's an associate professor at the University of Natural Resources in Vienna, where he's in charge for the topic of forest ecology. His view on surfaces, here on wood in particular, adds to the value of this podcast series. As a scientist, he takes the listener into the woods. The forest is a habitat in danger all over the world. Illegal deforestation, drought and vermin contribute to global climate change. How are the Austrian forests doing? Hello, uh, Professor Rewald. Uh, what a delight having you as our podcast guest today. Thank you very much for this kind invitation. It's a pleasure to be here. Wonderful. And um, to, to get to know you a little better, you are currently an associate professor at the University of Natural Resources in Vienna, the so-called um, BOKU, and in charge of the topic of forest ecology. Could you kindly explain to our listeners what exactly your field of expertise is? Yeah, the University of Natural Resources and Life Science is the dedicated uh, education institution for forestry in Austria. So, in general, we are educating the future forest foresters of Austria and uh, neighboring neighboring countries. So, and within the Institute of Forest Ecology, we deal with uh, the ecosystem properties of forests. So, uh, how many species we have in this forest and how this forest work and function mm -hmm. yeah, to sustain uh, wood production in the end. Yeah, because this is, this is very important. Traditionally, I was trained as an ecologist with a focus on root ecology. So you might wonder why, if you focus on root ecology, yeah, the hidden half of the ecosystems, why you teach forest ecology? Because as the word implies, hidden, the hidden half, it was a relatively neglected part of ecosystems for, for decades. Traditionally, focus was, of course, on the stems, above ground, you see the leaves, yeah, because it's just easily percepted in the landscape. But equally important are the below ground parts, how the roots take up water and nutrients, how they interact with the mycorrhiza and soil microbes, and how much carbon is also stored in the soil, important aspects of forest ecology. So we are focusing on holistically on the ecosystem, forest ecosystems above and below ground yeah, to improve the understanding and get insights how to manage these ecosystems sustainable to ensure their functioning also in hundreds of years from now. Talking about wood, the usage as a sustainable raw material is gaining an increasing relevance. And um, I would like to know more about this. Maybe could you tell us about the circumstances that led to this fact? Yeah, wood has always been an important building material. But what we see in the in the last years that the, the demand for wood product for wood products and raw material wood as a raw material is skyrocketing worldwide. Yeah, Austria is a large exporter, so we are relatively self-sustaining, but China, for example, is, is importing a lot of, of wood into, uh, in, 
into the economy. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, it's because there, there is a paradigm shift a little bit also in how we construct our buildings. Yeah, there's the aim in times of climate war, uh, global change, climate warming, to reduce our carbon footprint. Mm -hmm. And wood is the perfect material, material to do so. Yeah? Wood, the carbon stored in the stems, is basically not released by harvesting, but it's continued to be stored in buildings, yeah, mm -hmm. or kind of uh, tables, uh, shelves, whatever we, wood products, yeah, also in art products. And this is con compared to other materials which need to be produced with high energy demand, steel, for example, or concrete, yeah, classic building materials, they release even a lot of carbon dioxide and further facilitate the warming of our atmosphere. So there is basically a countermeasure to continue to store carbon in wood. And recently, in the last years, we see there is an, uh, more and more buildings in Europe are built from wood, from this idea that we need to change, especially the building sector, from unsustainable concrete buildings to sustainable wood buildings. I don't know if you know that the second highest building, wood building in Europe is, is standing in Vienna. Oh, really? It's a very impressive building. It's 24 floors high. Mm -hmm. so, and uh, the second, the highest building is in, in Norway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I expect that this trend to have also higher buildings made from wood is, will continue. That's very interesting, but I guess there must have been some other challenges um, regarding the, the building of a, of a wood house, like, like stability, for example. Yeah, the, the construction of wood buildings was hampered for a long time with the lack of uh, legislation, basically. Mm -hmm. There were no, clue, uh, not, uh, no clear rules how to make these buildings, for example, fire safe. Of yeah? course, yeah. But since a few years in Austria or also similar in, in Germany, I know there are clear rules how to construct these buildings. For technologically, it's it's not it's a high tech building. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Basically, this wood is put in frames and it can be pre manufactured, so it's very efficient to set it up. Yeah, but now since we have this, it's it's really every year now I'm, I expect to see higher buildings made from wood because since we have clear rules for the industry to make pre manufactured these buildings, uh, the more of these sustainable wood buildings uh, we would have. Yeah, for example, at Boku, our newest building is also a wood building yeah so we try to uh, also change our building structure to sustainable buildings mm -hmm. um, coming back on something you've mentioned before we are currently living within a time with a high level of awareness in matters of global warming sustainability and creating a livable greener environment and um, also the expectations towards our area of forest are increasing. The forest are amazing ecosystems. I mean, forests have so many uh, properties, so many functions the forests inhabit. It's not only the productivity. Yeah? We are concerned, our colleagues in our department are concerned about how, how maximize the production of food. Yeah, this not need to happen, of course, in, in, in times of climate change. It's very mm -hmm. important that we ensure that we have a sustainable and enough wood production mm -hmm. in, in, the, in the future mm -hmm. uh, centuries or decades, mm -hmm. because you know that forest, to plan for forest to be productive, it takes basically a generation. Yeah? It's not a normal crop where we have an impact already yeah. the year or two years later, but we talk about decades. Yeah? So 
we have the productivity of woods in these ecosystems, but, so, but of course our forests are multi-purpose ecosystems. We have the environmental recreation aspect, which is very important, especially now we are in Vienna, so Vienna has the Vienna woods as, a, as a, one of the main recreation areas for the population. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Talk about hiking, mountain biking, all kind of leisure activities which take place. Yeah. This is an important aspect, but also, of course, an aspect of carbon sequestration. Mm -hmm. So how much carbon in times of climate change we can store mm -hmm. in these ecosystems to make them not sources of CO2, but make them sinks. So it's somehow counteracting the CO2 we release by our other activities, yeah, driving around in cars, burning fossil, fossil fuel, mm -hmm. and so on. Mm -hmm. And lately, it's also about diversity hotspots. Yeah? Our mm -hmm. forests are very rich and diverse ecosystems. So how can we manage them in a way that we create suitable habitats for all kinds of bird species, plants, mosses, and so on, even soil organisms. Yeah, they're really sanctuaries very often for this threatened threatened species. Mm -hmm. And also about the water infiltration rate. Yeah, you know that Vienna itself owns very large forest areas, mm -hmm. and they secure the water supply for the whole city. Yeah, they come from approximately 100 kilometers away mm -hmm. and are channeled towards Vienna. And this makes the water quality in Vienna is so good That's because true. for a long time. Yeah. Vienna took care to own the proper forests, which filter basically the water and make the quality so good. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, multi-purpose forests are true multi-purpose ecosystems, which serve us in so many ways. And we can be really thankful that we can yeah, use them. We use them, but we should value them, of course, also as as they are as as long-term ecosystems. Yeah, and we need to maintain them in a way that they also in the future can provide this functionality. Mm -hmm. And um, talking in more specific about the multi-purpose ecosystems, you recently have been part of a pilot project that explores the various sorts of sustainable forest management. Um, could you give us a small introduction on how this ecosystem works and why they have such a huge impact? Yeah, lately we realized that there are more and more disturbance events taking place. Yeah, it's not only in Europe, we have uh, bark beetle attacks, we have wind throw in other ecosystems more in the Mediterranean, we have a lot of fire events. Yeah, also look in, in North America, it's basically the same, all kind of temperate ecosystems. Mm -hmm. So the question is which kind of forest we need to establish and maintain, which are more resilient or resistant, which regrow after disturbance event mm -hmm. uh, to sustain all this multipurpose functionality. So there is a big international um, network called TreeDivNet, where we are part in. We have a small experiment of this. These are more than 24 sites all over, the Euro all over Europe, all over South America, and China is a very, very big experiment where we look into how mixed forests compared to monocultures can grow together, which species combination ensure productivity, carbon sequestration, water infiltration, all the aspects we addressed before, mm -hmm. are they addressed in a better way, more resilient way, yeah, for example, not so much influenced by drought waves, yeah, heat waves, uh, for the future climate. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Because we're planning now the future forests. We need to yeah, we need to plant them, we need to make sure that they're regenerating for the next generation, probably mm -hmm. already. And um, how long in the future are we talking about? Is it for the next 20 years, for the next 100 years, 1,000 years? Or is this hard to say? Yeah, and most forests are 
ripe for harvest basically after 80 to 120 years yeah, according mm -hmm. our our European tree species so basically we we're setting now the baseline for establishing forests which are going to be harvested in 120 years so not from our kids but even yeah, our yeah. grandkids basically they will profit from the from the steps we set now yeah and the first initial the first initial step is to identify which tree species mixtures are beneficial in combining them yeah traditionally why we had monocultures just because for the forester it's of course easy to easy to manage you said you plant one type of species for example Norway spruce they grow together and then after 80 to 100 years you harvest this stand mm -hmm. yeah and then everything is basically clear-cutted but and uh, then you plant or naturally regenerate the next forest if you have mixed forest and even even uneven aged mixed forest yeah like resembling the natural forest dynamic without management some large trees some younger trees the management becomes uh, becomes much more complex mm -hmm. yeah because you need to harvest maybe the, the beech tree you need to harvest later compared to a uh, um, needle leaf tree mm -hmm. yeah even if you have oaks you might harvest them only under 150 years so how to handle this and the same ensure that mm -hmm. we get all the services including the wood yeah, which is in such a high demand right now worldwide because this the price is skyrocketed, especially now under the, in the Corona period, because everybody start to build yeah. like crazy. Not much, uh, yeah, to yeah. do. How to ensure that this wood is available and manageable, yeah, at a, at a fair price, because of the price matters, of course. Yeah, and management influence the price. What does wood cost nowadays? Oh, it's a very hard, hard question. <laughs> Depends who. I, I cannot give you cannot give you an exact number. But the question is who get who get the money? Yeah, there's the, the value chain comes from the people who own the forest, yeah, yeah, to the people, the sawmills who prepare the wood, the logistic companies which ship it worldwide. So of course the price is increasing mm -hmm. within this in this value chain. It depends what what kind of wood wood for simple wood chips, or the highest quality wood for a nice living room table. Yeah, there's a huge price range. It's very hard to say, to, to give a number. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and uh, regarding the three species mixtures you talked about before, is there any uh, mixture that you found in your research that worked really good? And is there one that might not be used at all? What are your current... Uh, research results on that now, this is an ongoing evaluation and there's also again there cannot be one clear answer because the mm -hmm. species this is why which makes it so difficult and why we need this network of research sites because the suitable to identify the suitable mixture depends very much also on the climate and the soil condition that each particular growing habitat mm -hmm. yeah for us here in vienna or the lower austrian area around vienna it's a totally different species mixture would be suitable compared to the alpine area yeah? oh, okay. so basically we need to select species according to the environment and this makes it difficult to the future environment which of course we only yeah, we estimate mm -hmm. what is the temperature what is the rainfall pattern in 50 in mm -hmm. 100 years according to the, the modelers yeah? and then we say okay this plant species combination this plant species can take this future environmental conditions, giving the nutrients which are available, for example, in a specific site. Mm -hmm. 
And then it's a it's a guess. Yeah, it's a lucky guess sometimes. Yeah, yeah. and we want don't want to make it lucky. We want to make it sure by testing it before and then giving recommendations for specific mixtures. But there's not a clear answer yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what the foresters, these future forests which are planted now, are doing now, they're just mixing with the purpose of minimizing the risk. The minimizing risk means they hope by adding five. 10 species because this is the maximum diversity we talk about in European forest. Yeah? Mm-hmm. 10, 11 species, these are the most uh, diverse forest we, we know in Europe. And they, they think, okay, likely five, six of them go, we are going to do a good job. Yeah? Mm-hmm. They will survive under future climates. Mm-hmm. So it's more lucky, lucky thing. And we tried before to establish which species and which combination have a higher probability of survival mm-hmm. and higher growth rate under this future on climate conditions, for example. Yeah, it's obviously very hard because we do our experiments also with, we start with seedlings. But yeah. of course the seedlings, two year old, or now our, in our experiment, they are eight year old. Yeah. They have a height of six meters. They react, of course, different than a tree which is already 40, 60, 80 years old. Mm-hmm. So to project this in the future, it's a lot of mathematics in upscaling, which, uh, of course, has some uncertainty, yeah. Yeah? intrinsic uncertainty in it. And uh, while, um, while researching, I, I guess you must have traveled also a lot and um, seen other uh, regions, forests and um, other tree species mixture. Any anecdote you would like to share on this? First of all, I need to say that international collaboration on this is it's key. And this is so important that, uh, yeah, in that we have these experiments in China, which of course have as an ecosystems which are much richer yeah, in the diversity in, in, chi- in Chinese ecosystems. You have everything from very arid systems to the to tropical areas, yeah, also the diversity. So we collaborate in many, many different countries. For example, we have this, uh, yeah, Overall, in the treaty net, we have exploratories in the, tro- in the African tropics, you know, for example, in Congo, where I worked a lot in Rwanda, neighboring countries. There's, of course, it's more interesting. It's also a bit scary, you know, it's uh, at the heart of Africa. Everything's mm-hmm. a bit exciting. And you have few challenges. You have much more challenges you don't have in, you know, China, Austria, everything is all well organized. And we, and, but in these areas, we had, for example, gorillas on our on our field site. So basically, okay. we had to relocate one of the field sites because gorillas destroyed our sampling equipment. <laughs> oh. And this is a challenge. Yeah, yeah you say, oh, here in Austria, we have sometimes a deer on the field yeah. site. We say already it's problematic. <laughs> we need to call someone who yeah. shoo away the deer. But if you have gorillas and it's a highly protected species, then you need to make them the way path. You know, we just yeah. been, we moved our field site. Yeah. Or, of course, sometimes you have there also problems with uh, illegal hunting on the field mm-hmm. sites. You always go to the field only with guards. You drive in pickups and you have armed guards with you, which protect you uh, against illegal uh, hunt- hunters, for example, in the forest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a more rough environment. So there's still yeah. these white spots on our scientific map, mm-hmm. just because this area are not so accessible. Of course, yeah. yeah. Sounds very challenging. It's it's very challenging, but it's very necessary that we upscale because it's of course about our productive forest in in Austria or China, but also the wider areas. We want to mm-hmm. see what happens to this forest with climate change. Mm-hmm. But if we don't have the baseline research, what's happening now? How yeah. do they work? 
How much carbon do they store? How productive are these forests? We cannot give any prediction what's going to happen under, under future climates. So we don't know nothing about the stability. Yeah. First, the first important thing is to have the baseline information. What are the properties of these ecosystems? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How much carbon is stored there? How fast each species grows? This is also we work a lot of in Ethiopia, for example, yeah, in the highlands of Ethiopia. They start to have, yeah, want to also have a more sustainable forestry approach. But since 100 years ago in Austria, we know for every species, if you measure the diameter and the height of a tree, for example, how much wood we can expect from harvesting. Yeah, but for many species in this African montane ecosystems, we don't have this relationship. Mm-hmm. So the, yeah, and how can you have a value chain? How much wood you can sell to mm-hmm. the sawmill if you cannot estimate mm-hmm. how much you're going to harvest? So all this basic research we started to do in Europe 100 years ago, they need to catch up now very fast. And there's a, because Austria, Ethiopia, for example, is a focused country for Austrian developmental research. We have these strong collaborations where we train them and they come regularly here with a scholarship in the Master for Mountain Forestry. They get trained in these skills so they can build a sustainable forestry in Austria. Yeah, and the same is with the, this Chinese cooperation. Uh, yeah? I have a PhD student in Harbin. Uh, for example, we work together to have our experience. We have a long-term experience in setting up these experiments and analyzing them. But of course, they have different species. Yeah? They mm-hmm. need to come with ideas. What could be the potential species for relevant species mixtures in, in northern China, for mm-hmm. example? Yeah? Very short growing period, very harsh environmental conditions. Yeah? And then we can help them to set this up. Yeah? But I have to say that Chinese science is catching up with the world standard very fast, the excellence is excellent science now in, in, in China. Mm-hmm. So they are there, basically. They need a little bit of support from, from experience, yeah, something you get over, over the decades you did this already. Mm-hmm. But another way to be a real equal, 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 equal researchers. And it's amazing what they achieved now that they dedicated uh, to have also more sustainable forestry in, in China to the ultimate goal, basically, there is also to become self-sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. that might know that China is still one of the biggest importers of oh. wood worldwide. Well, you wouldn't think that. You think you would think such a big country with all their possibilities and all their also manpower would um, know how to do it. It's an interesting. Uh, oh, they aspect. know how to do it, but they started a bit to realize this this uh, this product, this uh, resource wood was never so, it was not organized. Forestry as a discipline was developing very late. And um, like I said, forestry is a very long-term business. So it needs decades. It has been realized now that they need to become sustainability, self-sustaining mm-hmm. in the forestry sector. And I think in the Chinese uh, governmental program, it's until 2035 they achieved this. Yeah, so far, Austria is a big exporter of uh, wood products to China, oh, wow. many other European countries, but uh, especially countries like New Zealand, for example. Yeah. Of course, yeah. Majority of the wood I think from chi- for China is coming from New Zealand, from mm-hmm. forestry products. Yeah. Also, I wanted to acknowledge the the greatness of this um, international exchange where everybody can learn something from the other. I think it's always important to include rather than exclude. Um, 
And I know giving a possible future forecast um, is extremely difficult. However, would you dare an attempt? I think that we, we are on a good way. We realized how important these forest ecosystems are. Yeah, I just want to give an example. In Austria, there is this Waldfonds project which started uh, mm -hmm. last year and the government realized that the forestry sector needs this really large support because of these disturbance events. Yeah? They dedicated 350 million to be given in the next four years to replant disturbed sites, for example, to really help the forestry owners mm -hmm. to keep the, keep the forest safe, mm -hmm. yeah? but also dedicate part of this money for research exactly in this how to handle, how to replant the sites, mm -hmm. how to make sure that you have a fast regeneration of this disturbed forest. And similar projects also exist in China. I think we are on a good way to realize this, but it's very long term. Yeah, we, we cannot stop in our commitment to, to, this, to this goal. Yeah? I think in, in Austria, I'm not worried about Austria and China. Yeah? In Europe, we realize this. In China, we realize this. It's a little bit more problematic in African countries. Mm -hmm. yeah? We think a lot of external cues have been given, like replanting the Green Belt Initiative, for example, yeah? to plant uh, billions of trees to stop desertification. But many of these programs were not coming really from the African researchers. Yeah, mm -hmm. They were with a good intention provided by uh, North American or European researchers, but many of them failed mm -hmm. because it's not so easy to establish a new forest if you're not really familiar with the environmental conditions. It's not enough just to plant a tree because maybe it dies after two years yeah. Yeah, if you plant the wrong tree. So this within each country to strengthen the f knowledge about the ecophysiology of the trees, it means yeah, which how dry they can take, what is the COVID tolerance, yeah, this knowledge about species and how they interact in the ecosystem, if they benefit each other or if they don't grow good together, for example. Yeah. This is key to establish new forests, mm -hmm. to regenerate forests in a way that they also still grow nicely, sustainable in 100 years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm hopeful that many countries in the, in the world it's realized but for others, of course, we still need to invest to, to offer this uh, engagement, yeah? collaboration on research project to achieve this. Mm -hmm. yeah? and this. Especially the countries which have a long history in organized forestry, I think they can bring in the expertise without telling them, do you need to take this species or you need to take yeah. this? Because this depends also on local demand, of which course, species yeah. they need for construction, yeah, the other species they might be also need for multi-purpose trees, mm -hmm. for fodder, for goats. Yeah, trees can serve many many functions. So this is something to be decided then in each country, in each region. Yeah, likely specifically. So a network. I dream about a network of forestry research stations in in many of these countries where it's more problematic, where a lot of deforestation took place. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because in the end we need to realize our landscape. All over the, nearly all over the world, is a man-made landscape. Mm -hmm. Everything, yeah. Look at Austrian. Where are the forests in Austria? They are in the, in the in the areas not suitable for agriculture, and this is the same, in all over the world. Everything which can be used for agriculture has been used for has been transformed into agricultural land. So the forests are on the marginal 
the least suitable lands, very steep, uh, very low nutrient regime and so on, very dry in summer. So how to handle this, yeah? have still good forests on difficult, on difficult habit in difficult lands, landscapes basically. And um, since I'm, I'm very intrigued now by all this um, new information, all this uh, knowledge I have gained on, on, our, on our area of forest, um, I would like to ask you if there are any upcoming projects we can look forward to and uh, maybe learn more about, maybe in some way participate. Um, yeah. Now in this Tridiv net, for example, I mentioned earlier, it's we're always looking for new participants because many regions of the world are not yet included. Yeah, mm -hmm. even that we yeah, have Chinese, Austrian, German, Swedish, Brazilian participants. There are many areas not covered. So right now, for example, I'm in discussion with people from Iran, yeah, Persian mm -hmm. colleagues, to see if we can also in this difficult, yeah, very difficult ecosystems, very arid, very dry, have a similar experiment, of course, addressing the need they have, their species, yeah, their combinations, which kind of services they require from their forest, because sometimes they still feed the animals with some of the, the leaves they harvested for goats and so on. So mm -hmm. it's a multi-purpose forestry, can also be agroforestry approaches. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is also something I think it's it's coming up. The combination of having services by trees, maybe also available for yeah uh, for building and so on, but in the same time on the same area do agriculture, especially for drier ecosystems. It could be a way forward to reduce, for example, soil erosion on normal fields, to shelter the maize plants or the crop plants from high wind speeds and so on. The combination. So how can we make this? realize this again yeah the landscape structure we had basically also in austria 100 years ago with very small fields which were always separated by some strips of wood which were then in in times terms of efficiency removed so we can use them with large machinery but we see it's coming back to the traditional system because there was a reason this mm -hmm. is a sustainable production system mm -hmm. yeah and we need to learn also from the methodology They have been used 100 years ago mm -hmm. uh, for our future uh, management practices. Um, so, in in concrete, how do I how can I participate on TreeDiffNet? Is there a website or um, how do I gain all this information? Yeah, the easiest is you just Google TreeDiffNet mm -hmm. and you find our website and all the. Uh, Chris von Hein from Belgium is the speaker for this international network and to contact contact one of the researchers or, or Chris personally if you set up a large-scale experiment and it's easy everybody is welcome to participate wonderful and uh, lastly to come back to the to the topic of sustainability I would really like to know in your personal opinion How can we as individuals be more attentive when it comes to making the world we're living in more sustainable? Yeah, I think as uh, individual persons, we also we, we can highly contribute to shaping the future sustainability of the of the whole system. And for this, for me, it's like an ecosystem research. Mm -hmm. Every small part is is important, from the soil microbe to the stem of the mammoth tree. Basically, mm -hmm. all these aspects of an ecosystem play a role. And we as consumers, as individuals, we are part of the global system. So we make choices. Mm -hmm. But these choices are not only the carbon footprint of a specific product, but it's the overall how the system works. It's mm -hmm. the social economic aspects of, of the productivity. 
the carbon footprint. It's the how diverse our production ecosystems are. So we have a choice. We can actively influence each one of us with a small contribution to make consumer choices which uh, support the, the sustainable productivity. Could you give us an example maybe? A good example is, for example, the complicated example is the Apple productivity. Mm -hmm. yeah. Recently, I also, it's not my field of expertise, but I read about it, that normally we say buy locally. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Buy locally is supposed to support your local Apple growers, for example, and is supposed to have the lowest carbon footprint. Yeah? And of course, in during the, the summertime and in the, in, the, in the autumn, we buy products here from, from the Austrian growing regions, but the picture might change in the in the springtime when basically uh, there are no fresh apples grown from the european farmers available suddenly the product coming from south africa yeah, for example and transported you think about millions and millions of apples transported in cargo ships is a carbon the carbon footprints of each apple is lower uh, compared to the european apples stored for months and months in these cooling facilities yeah so it's a relatively complicated relatively complicated choice for consumers to decide on what is the most sustainable product but it's because it changed it's of course the product itself it's the time when I buy it yeah and but we need to step up way back and say what are the potential influences on this footprint of my my product I'm going to consume and then make an in informed choice and I think for the future it's important that consumers we as consumers have it easier yeah I think about a label, for example. Mm -hmm. We think about, like we think this is the nutritional value, mm -hmm. this is the carbon footprint value of mm -hmm. a product. So if I think about in 10 years, I would like to see that my product is labeled with an ABC, a simple shame, green, uh, yellow, red label to say, yeah, high carbon footprint, low carbon footprint from an ecosystem which has been maintained, managed in a sustainable way yeah, high diversity, for example, high carbon storage compared to high intensive uh, forestry approach, for example. So this would facilitate my decision as a consumer. Um, and uh, with this uh, call to action, I would like to thank Professor Rewald uh, for your precious time and uh, also for sharing your outstanding vision with us. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. <laughs>